book club gave me an idea for a story there, feller. Oh, yeah? When we were at the book club, the comic book club, we read uh, Batgirl, year one. And there's a brief appearance of one comical villain, King Condiment. Condiment King. Condiment King. And he basically just shoots people with ketchup and mustard. Yeah. He's a joke. But I thought, what if somebody wanted to do a serious Condiment King storyline? Okay. How would you go about that? I have some plans. Okay, let's hear them. Well, first, I would do something with the art direction. So, if you have the Condiment King, and it'd be very colorful, and you just show him doing his wacky hijinks of shooting ketchup on people, for instance, and hot uh-huh. sauces and whatnot, you know, his condiments, relish. Well, what if, let's say you have a, a splash page where it's him shooting somebody in the chest with ketchup, it's very comical, it's very bright, and jubilant, jubilant, and then... You have a second splash page, which is the same scene, but it's very dark and gloomy, and it's Condom McKing shooting somebody in the chest with a gun, and it's blood, mm. not ketchup. And then you can use that as a framing device, so the Condiment King is like schizophrenic, okay. or you can, and also bipolar. And you know, bipolar has the high, the manic highs, which would be the colorful scenes, and then it has the suicidal, depressing lows, and that would be you know, your gloomy Alan Moore-esque scenes. So would you just have, like, he's actually shooting people and he's thinking he's just throwing ketchup on them? Well, or? this is this is the uh, crux of the whole uh, story arc. The reader is going to be led to be confused and maybe you will switch it up multiple times so you think, oh, he is just a goofy comic guy, but he thinks he's doing this nefarious thing, so... He's shooting people with ketchup and all this stupid shit that nobody actually cares about. But he thinks he's a real criminal shooting people and he's, you know, crazy. But then what if it's, oh, no, he's actually crazy shooting people and he thinks he's just comical shooting people with ketchup. Like you would you to leave the readers not knowing. But he needs a motivation for being this villain anyway. So yeah. I have a motivation, I think. Okay. I didn't flesh this out. I just was thinking about this earlier. How could we have a condiment situation come about that makes it seem reasonable Maybe Condiment King has a son, and his son was hungry, and he took him to a hot dog, you know, it's in New York or Gotham or yeah. whatever, so like one of the mobile hot dog stands. Okay. And he goes up, and he's getting the boy a hot dog, and they have the side table with all the condiments on it, and he's relish and ketchup and stuff, and maybe he's putting ketchup on the boy's hot dog, and then a mugger comes up, points the gun at Condiment King, or points it at the kid, or what, you know, give me your money, Condiment King, out of reaction you know, slaps at the the gun, and the gun goes off, and the mugger runs away, and then the condiment king looks over, and he sees, oh, his son got ketchup all over his shirt, and then you realize, no, it's not ketchup. Yeah. It is blood, and then they're, they're his motivation for uh, almost a bat, because, you know, you probably have to introduce Batman or something. So now you have the same, there's the connection to Batman. And that could also be, like, the the beginning of, like, the split of, like, you know, like, he thinks he maybe used the ketchup to stop the burglar from yeah. doing the stick-up or whatever, you know what I mean? But then actually, you know, like you said, he causes, you know, causes it and stuff like that. And, like, that's where the, the split begins. Yeah, because the kid wouldn't have got shot if it wasn't for him. If he just gave the guy money or what, like, instead yeah. of trying to stop the guy. Uh, and then the kid gets shot because of him. And then there's where his split goes. And now he's crazy. And then you could also still mess with that and make it so. It's like, is that true? Did that really? Ha- Did Condom King even have a son? You don't know because you can make him crazy. But that is my very basic idea of how to do a, 
you know, a story arc or like a trade of just Condiment King not being such a goof because he's such a goofy, stupid character. Right. But if you did it in like a way like that, it was like, oh, no, this guy's just mentally ill, which obviously is because he's just shooting ketchup on people. <laughs> it's like, oh, what if he's not really shooting ketchup? What if you just think he is, but he's actually just shooting people or he thinks he's shooting people? Yeah. Maybe he thinks he's the, the criminal or maybe he thinks he's stopping crime and the people where he's shooting are criminals, but they're not criminals. And then Batman would understand the guy, you know, he would understand his uh, vigilante streak, but he would uh, still you're shooting people, even if it is just ketchup. So I have to stop you. And that could be fun. Break your legs for justice. Break your legs and you're, I'm a bat. <laughs> My parents were murdered in front of me and now I'm a bat. Is that any goofier or not? As, like, <laughs> yeah, is that right. any better than Condiment King? Like, not really. It's like, oh, your parents got shot. Now you're a bat, a man bat, Batman. It's dumb. I don't know. I don't know why I was thinking of that, but I thought too deeply on the Condiment King. And it made me feel that there's plenty of characters that can have cool stories told about them, even though they're stupid, but we just never, we never know them. That's why, like, I, one of the things I always say about, you know, people like, oh, there's certain characters that I just don't like. And it's like, now, like, I have my characters that, you know, I like more than others, but, like, I'll read any character. Like, I'll read a Wonder Woman, a Superman, whatever, as long as it's good. I mean, even with, like, the, the C&D, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know. Well, they've done that multiple times over the years where they've had a character that was pretty stupid or nobody cared about. And then somebody did a run on it that was like, oh, shit, this is a real character now. Yep. Like Aquaman was a joke for a while. Swamp Thing wasn't very cool. Uh, There's just a lot of characters like that that it's like a D list. Nobody cares about. But then all of a sudden, oh, wait, no, here's a cool story you told about them. And now people actually give a shit. Yep. But today's episode is nothing about that. Nope. It's about translations. So completely different. Completely different. So I figured we'd start with the Condiment King. Condiment King, and then we can just go straight down to the toilet from there. Woo! Yay! You are listening to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Bangor Ball Bunter Church. Just bunt. Bunting balls. Bunting balls. Bunting balls. Bunting balls. They look so goofy when they do that. Bunt. I'm going to bunt it. It's weird that that's a thing. It's like just don't, you don't hit it. Just bunt. Stick the stick out. Stick the stick. The bat. The stick. Stick it. Stick it out. I feel like that almost be harder than just swinging the goddamn thing. I don't know. I played baseball as a child. Not for any team. We just played in the backyard with the old some, stick. Some stick ball. Some waffle sticking. I don't know what that means. But yeah, we just, uh, I bunted. I've done some bunting. And you know what? It's easy. Just stick it. See, we always work because like, they, they hold like the, the you know, they, have, they hold like the top of the bat too. I just worry about being like, just smash. Do just they the hold ball. the top of the bat? I don't think I've ever bunted properly. I probably just, I just stuck it out, you know. Stuck the bat out, dangled it. <laughs> Digga digga dingo. Hang some dong. I mean some bat. Uh, Batman. Batman. So today's episode is brought to you by Caleb's looking for a copy of the Brother Karam- Brothers Karamazov by Dostoyevsky. And I was trying to find the best translation. Mm. And I don't, unlike Japanese literature, I don't know any Russian translators. So... You could be like, is this a good translation? I don't fucking know. So I decided it can't be that many, right? 
It's a lot. It's a lot of them. So I found an article on Medium that uh, talks about the best translations, and I'm not going to go into the article because it's a lot, but they name some of the popular ones. But what I like is there's like excerpts from like the same excerpt done by each translator. Okay. So you could see the differences. And oh, then okay, I was just yeah. like, oh, that's cool. But I don't know if I hate, like it made me not buy the book at all because I was like, I don't know which one to get. There, I know, um, what's her name? Constance Garnett, I think. Yeah, Constance Garnett, I believe, was like the first English translator, like the first like English translation that got real popular. And I think that was maybe in the 1800s, early 1900s, she did that. And I was reading that it's one of the most popular ones, and it's probably one of the best ones for for uh, Brothers Karamazov. Okay, but a lot of people and I, she's I looked it up because uh, there was a like all of his works came in like a twenty five dollar bundle. Ooh, I was right. like, oh, I'll just buy that. But then she did all the translations, and I don't know if I want her translation because a lot of people on Reddit, cause I'm looking about multiple sources yeah, here, right. uh, a lot of academic types said that apparently this lady, if she came across the difficult to translate part, she just skipped it. Oh, she just didn't translate shit. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Why would I want the incomplete, like, you know, just works. But then you get the translators that uh, which we found in like Japanese literature, which is a little problematic, is they make it their story almost. It's like, oh, you know, this doesn't translate directly. So I'm just going to add my own flair and make it my way. And then it could be entertaining. Like, I have a suspicion that version of The Plague we read was a new translation. Yeah. I think maybe that was a uh, one of those deals where it wasn't a direct translation. It was a writer adding their stuff. I mean, I liked it, but I wasn't really, I didn't care if it was a direct translation for that. You're just going to have to learn Russian, Caleb. I don't want to. And there's also another problem with translations are the ones that go as direct as possible. And then you get a lot of, like, clunkiness to it sometimes. And then, like, the second popular most popular translation of these Russian works comes from, uh, I'm going to find it here eventually, but it's, I think it was two people in the nineties translated and they're the most direct, but then you, like I said, you get some clunkiness. So we'll read some of these just to see, uh, cause I want this to be a short episode, by the way, folks, I forgot we're like limping into the new year (laughs) here. Yesterday was new year's Eve and we just, uh, drank a lot of weird drinks. And then we went to the gym today, and I, I'm just drinking Pedialyte. Like, I didn't... And, and we went to the gym the New Year's Eve, too. Yeah, in the morning, yeah. And just, ah. I, I, my head, my, I had the worst stomach ache ever because I just ate so much random food and booze and weird smoothie beers. Mm. And it was one of those things, too. I never even got proper drunk because it was, like, such a str- long period of time of drinking. Yeah. I just got, like, ill, kind of. Yeah, because we started, like, around, like, 6. Yeah, and then went on to almost 1 in the morning, you know. All right, so brothers, McCarr, brothers. Now, is this the only one you're trying to find so far? Or is it just for the uh, translations for this soul? Well, for this book, I find if I get the right translator, I'll probably stick with that translator for all the Russian lit. Because like most of these translators for the Russian stuff, they've done all, all of the it. classic Russian stuff. So I'll probably. I'm, I'm thinking I'm just gonna stick to the one that. Like I said, it's hard though because even though I don't want that one lady's translation, I can get it like all of his books for $25. Like it was like a lot. I'd say, does he have a big library yeah, of stuff? It was like at least 10, 15 books, oh, I wow. think. And then there were, uh, most of them are real big. Yeah. Because I was looking at the, cause there's a new, the uh, one also piqued my interest. There's a brand new, just came out. I think in October, 2023 was a new translation of the brothers Karamazov. And apparently that one's pretty good. I don't know if they mentioned that in this article or not, but 
I don't think so. I think this was put out before. Yeah, this was, this was from 2017. So oh, wow. But uh, that was the only, that was the first new translation in 20 years. So it's not like we're messing out on much. But then I was like, do I just want to try to read that one? Or I don't know. I'm, I'm conflicted. Read them all. Just read them all. Just read the same book 10 times. All right. So we'll start off here. Okay. So the original translation into English seems to be Constant Garnett's. Uh, then we will have following ones. So here's just, it's, it's just weird just reading this to myself. Like the, like it's the exact same thing they're saying, but the phrasing's different for each. So this is the constant Garnett. Above all, don't lie to yourself. The man who lies to himself and listens to his own lie comes to such a pass that he cannot distinguish the truth within him or around him. And so loses all respect for himself and for others. And having no respect, he ceases to love, and in order to occupy and distract himself without love, he gives way to passions and coarse pleasures, and sinks to bestiality in his vices, all from continual lying to other men and to himself. That's clunky, and the bestiality, I don't think, is a good translation of what they were trying to convey. Interspecies erotica, fucko. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, let's check out the David McDuff translation. This is not a popular... I mean, these are all popular, quote-unquote, but this is not one of the main ones people go for. It's the exact same uh, excerpt. The main thing is that you stop telling lies to yourself. The one who lies to himself and believes his own lies comes to a point where he can distinguish no truth either within himself or around him and thus enters into a state of disrespect towards himself and others. Respecting no one, he loves no one, and to amuse and divert himself in the absence of love, he gives himself up to his passions and to vulgar delights and becomes a complete animal in his vices. So no bestiality, just an animal in his vices. And all of it from perpetual lying to other people and himself. I mean, I I, I like the bestiality one. You like the bestiality <laughs> one? All right. But you're thinking of animal mating man on animal when you think of that line yeah it's not what it's supposed to be all right so here is the most popular one uh so this is from richard pevier and larissa volkohonsky uh that's the one i was saying was two people from the 90s uh but this is the one that they did the most direct translation they tried to keep it in vain with the original russian uh and by the way if there i think it might have been mcduff did one where he did the actual English translation of the title, so it's not the Brothers Karamazov, it's the Karamazov Brothers. Okay. Or no, the Kants, the brand new translation, I think. And I, that's why I didn't even get it. I was just like, fuck that. Because you change the, you can't change the title. But, the, you know, the word order in Russian is different. Right. But it's like, it can't be the Karamazov Brothers. That doesn't sound right. All right, so this is uh, the Pevier and Volkolhonsky or whatever. A man who lies to himself and listens to his own lie comes to a point where he does not discern any truth either in himself or anywhere around him and thus falls into disrespect towards himself and others. Not respecting anyone, he ceases to love and having no love, he gives himself up to passions and coarse pleasures in order to occupy and amuse himself and in his vices reaches complete bestiality. Yeah. And it all comes from lying continually to others and to himself. I think I like. I think that one flowed the best. Yeah, and like with like how you were saying with like they tried to keep closest to this, you know. Yes, and you got the bestiality, but it was in a context that you understood. It's not animal fucking, right? <laughs> Sick. Okay, and this. Ooh, who is this one? This is the Ignat Avzi, Avse translation. 
Uh, this was another popular one. I forget when this one came out, though. Of the same... Same accent. Yeah, these are all the same book. He who lies to himself and listens to his own lies reaches a state in which he no longer recognizes truth either in himself or in others, and so he ceases to respect both himself and others. Having ceased to respect everyone, he stops loving, and then, in the absence of love, in order to occupy and divert himself, he abandons himself to passions and the gratification of coarse pleasures until his vices bring him down to the level of bestiality, and all on account of, of his being constantly false both to himself and to others. So that one tries to clear up that line, uh, but that one reads almost like a compilation of the other two. Yeah, and that was like a it was it wasn't quite clunky, but it was getting to become like a mouthful a little bit. Yeah, these it's it's a little bit. So far, I like the 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 two. Okay, well now we're going into this is a different excerpt, but this is a shorter, easier to read because I don't know why they. I guess they were just trying to pick out like how they went about the bestiality and stuff. Mm-hmm. But this is this should be an easier way to interpret what's best. So, Garnett again. I repeat, it was not stupidity. The majority of these fantastical fellows are shrewd and intelligent enough, but just senselessness and a peculiar national form of it. I don't like that. I don't really know what they're talking about there. Macduff. I repeat, here there was no question of stupidity. The bulk of these madcaps are really quite sharp and clever, but plain muddled-headedness and moreover of a peculiar national variety. There's a few uh, semicolons in that one. Here's the Pevier Volonsky one. Again, I say it was not stupidity. Most of these madcaps are rather clever and shrewd, but precisely muddled-headedness, even a special national form of it. See, I'm going to have to go with them because that was just easier to read. It was shorter, and they seem more concise. And you can already tell, see, that's where the problem with the Garnett one was. You know, I said that she, if she didn't understand something, she just didn't have it. So in hers, she didn't have madcap or the muddled-headedness, which clearly must have been Dostoevsky's actual uh, usage because it's in the, the all the other ones. And I and I would I would think especially like if it's like first time reading it, you would want to have the most direct. I want Dostoevsky's words. Yeah. I don't want some some other writer's version of Dost, you know telling me Dostoevsky's story. I want his story as close as it can be. Here is the Avzi version. Let me repeat yet again. This was not a case of stupidity. Most of these crackpots are shrewd and cunning enough, but of muddled-headedness and of a special, typically Russian kind. Uh, that one's okay, too. And, uh, uh, oh, here's just a note on the title. One need go no further than the title, the standard English rendering of which is the Brothers Karamazov. This follows the original word order, the only one possible in Russian in this context. Had past translators been expressing themselves freely in natural English without being hamstrung by that original Russian word order, they would no more have dreamt of saying the Brothers Karamazov than they would the Brothers Warner or the Brothers Marx. So that was just a note on the the title. That's how that Avzi guy thought about the translation. I think that's more sensible. Yeah, I mean, I get in the actual translation of the the prose, you can't do that. It would sound, it wouldn't make sense to us. Like if you kept doing that, but for the title, I think it's fine. Uh, so on that one, I think I would have to go with the most direct translation of the Pevier Volonsky one. Now, just to bring up, uh, like a kind of like a side topic of like stuff we've we you know things we've talked about multiple times in the past episode. Do you, but do you think this would maybe be the one time where like. AI would be more maybe like a more suitable 
you know, like Ren- translator. Yeah, like, you know, like take, you know. I don't think so because any AI software I've used at just like Google Translate, for instance, it translate usually translates directly. And if there's metaphor usage or analogies, like it just can't. Okay. It doesn't understand human thought, so it doesn't work out that way. And a lot of the time, the word order is wrong. Like in Irish, if I translate Irish, a lot of times it's like, or Japanese is a good one, because half the time, fucking most of the words have multiple meanings, so it just picks the wrong one every time. Uh, But I thought it was an interesting topic, because we, like when we did the first person singular, you know, Jay Rubin's my favorite Mirakami translator. He seems to be the best so far. And I don't know if he encapsulates Mirakami's quirkiness the best, or if he's most direct. But like the Alfred uh, Bum God or I something, forget, yeah, Bum something, yeah, because that had like two or three translators in it, didn't it? Uh, yeah, but that Alfred guy, he was I think one of the uh, original translators of uh, Mirakami's work, and I, I don't know the the stories we read that were his tra- and the novels I read from his translations usually turned out to be my least favorite because his was more dry. Mm. So he might have actually been a more direct translation but he didn't because that's the word it becomes tricky with translating you want it to be direct but you also want it to be fun right so you don't want this dry boring read if the original language it wasn't supposed to be dry and boring it's just that's how it comes across when you translate it to english uh so i felt like that guys were kind of i mean there was a few stories that were okay but he, he wasn't my favorite like i like the jay rubin translations the most and i forget the other guy he didn't do a bad job either but there's a couple books I've read where I suspect the translation is what ruined the book for me. Uh, I forget the Japanese author, but it was a book called Grotesque. And it was like about prostitutes and stuff. And I thought it was fucking terrible. But the subject matter wasn't and the story wasn't. It was just how it was written. And I like the translation was, I don't know. It seemed like a, I don't know how to say this without offending someone. It, it seemed like a almost like a zoomer translated it. Okay, like just the language, or maybe even not as maybe not a zoomer. Maybe a, a more apt title would be like someone who was trying to be office funny. Mm-hmm. So instead, of, you know, like a lot of hex and fricks instead of fucks and hells yeah. and like that, or like oh shucks, like that kind of shit, where it's like. It did. I don't know. It just it, the book itself might have been fine, but the translation just yeah. I think did, it was dookie. Did you ever like go and like look up Jerry Rubin to see like if he has any like novels of his own? Let's do that now. Because that'd be that'd be interesting to see to be like if he does have his own novels to see what if any different like you know what I mean mm-hmm. like if his writing style like if you read one of his books how much it would, it would be to like close to like something he's translated. He's eighty three years old. Uh, he his writing or at least his translations it come, always comes off like a young man did it. Yeah, so that's interesting. I, it looks to be. I think he only does translations. Just just translations and, and nonfiction stuff. Yeah, that's the interesting thing is a lot of translators generally aren't fiction writers. Well, the English translators because like Mirakami translates stuff to Japanese. Uh, so I don't know. But I, I worry that I will read a bad translation. I need to find that uh, copy I have of Notes from the Underground because I remember I wasn't enthralled with that book. I didn't enjoy it all that much, but I didn't. It could have been like the translator. I don't know who mm. translated it. So 
I'm I'm very worried though. I'll read one of these big books and I'm like, oh, this sucks. I don't want to read any more Russian literature ever again. Mm-hmm. But it was because of the translator was bad. Or like I read the Constance Garnett version and she just left out a lot of words and and fucking phrases because she didn't understand them. <laughs> How do you get away with that? You couldn't do that now. No. <clears throat> well, they probably didn't really know. Yeah. Maybe back then. We probably should have checked out who translated a lot of those Yukio Mishima books too. Cause I can't, I can't, I don't really remember seeing the, because tra- I like I have all these Barnes and Noble collections. Like I was looking at the copy of Anna Karenina and I was like, well, who did the Tolstoy translation? And it, I think it turned out to be Constance Garnett, mm-hmm. but it was, it's like, they don't just say, like you have to like dig in there to find it. Like, Why did they should always just say on the cover yeah, or like something you, or, or, or really, inside. Yeah. Like, you know, whatever, I guess the collection story written by da 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 translated by da da because it really can affect, like, a lot of people don't realize, like, especially just, like, casual readers, they don't realize if you read one of these books, if it's just a bad translator, well, it could fuck up the whole experience. Well, I remember I, a while ago, I was telling you, like, I wanted to get, like, some Kafka. Like, I remember it was, like, at a, back whenever there was a Books a Million by us, and they had, like, a complete collection of of him, you know, like, of yeah. Kafka stuff, you know. And you were like, well, you got to be careful because you don't like you got to check the translations. And that was something I didn't even think about. And like, I most people don't consider that. And like, I, and I never, I never ended up getting it because like I didn't, you know, I like you, like I don't know what's the good translation or whatever, you know. Yeah, and when you like when you look it up, you find out there's a lot. Like at least like a Mirakami, he's a he's a contemporary writer. So I don't even know if he has multiple translators for the same works. Like, I don't know if there's a copy of Norwegian Wood that Jay Rubin did, but so did that Alfred Baumgard or someone. Like, I don't think, I think it's just one guy does it and that's it. I don't don't think he has multiple translators for the same works versus any classic literature, like a War and Peace. There's fucking 20 different translations for it and they're all in the same, you know, all translated to English. It's like, what's the best? And it's, I don't know. It's one of those ones too, uh, so it's also like, why do we need another one? Yeah. Yeah. Why do we always need so many? It's an easy way to sell the same book that's in public domain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like, oh, this book is free on Project Gutenberg. Yeah. But if we keep translating, they'll buy a new one. Yeah. That's all it is. You know, I, I've been talking about uh, wanting to read the Holy Bible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cover to cover just to just to see what nonsense I could be getting into or what truths I may un, you know cover. But... The translations, I was like, well, you just read the shitty King James Bible because that's just like whitewashed, real bad, right? That's just yeah. white people making the Bible, you know, cherry picked for their pleasure. And then I was like, well, I want the one that's closest to the original. And then I started looking up translations of that. And then you get into these all these weird study Bibles and put it this way. The whole endeavor turned me off and I'm just going to read King Arthur stories. Well, instead. I'm, sh- I'm sure with something like that, they probably don't even like. The original trends, like you know what I mean, that's been around for so long. They might not even have, you know, kept record of like. Well, how's like the ancient Hebrew translate to in- modern English? Yeah, it's not. Well, like when I read the Epic of Gilgamesh, I thought it was really boring. I didn't like it, but then I was like, I don't know what translation this is, because who's translating a- ancient Sumerian or whatever <laughs> it is to like? I have no idea. Like I don't know the person's credentials for. Because yeah, is that a dead language? Yeah, yeah, most of that stuff's dead languages. Or, you know, like, I, I read the Robert Fagel's editions of, hey. of the, uh, <laughs> shut up, fuckhead. <laughs> you did that last episode. Leave the man alone. I, you know, like the Odyssey, Iliad, and the Aeneid. And those are considered, like, some of the more, like, fun versions, which is, and they're popular. That's why I read those. But there's a lot of uh, older versions you can get for free, but then there are also 
the Roman style. So instead of your Zeus, like all the Greek gods are in the Roman gods now. Yeah. So you got Jupiter, and I, I don't like that. It's like when I, I fucking gave up on the Aeneid and started listening to it. The the version was a different version. So all of a sudden, the wording was different, and the uh, the names were all different. So I got confused as fuck too. I would not want to be a translator. Oh, no. Because it's like, oh, hey, here's the, especially like classic literature. It's like, oh, here's this beloved work that's one of the greatest ever. Try to make it, you know, into a different language when it doesn't have any direct translations. Like, you can't just directly go from Russian to English and it makes sense. You have to, like, fucking add your own two cents. And people don't want that. They don't want your own two cents. Well, could you imagine if we're, like, you know, we're working on the Divine Comedy. Could you imagine if we got that with a... Different translator, like, because for what I can tell, I think, uh, the- yeah, we well, we went to John C. Art, like, we were, I was very deliberate in the one yeah. we picked because there was like, there's a shitload of translations of the Divine Comedy. Some of them are just prose, some of them are written in like more classic Italian style, and it's very hard to understand. And some are written like this one, where it's more of a like a, a study version where you can actually learn like what's going on in it. It's, there's just too many. Usually with those things, what uh, actual smart people do, they, like you jokingly said earlier, they actually just read all of them just to kind of get a compilation and try to get the best, uh, which all, this also makes me wonder about like the Irish literature I was reading, like the Martino Kyan stuff, because he only wrote in Irish, which is a language that was almost dead. So the people who translated his work to English weren't native Irish speakers, mm. even though they're Irish. So it's like how close as this because yeah, irish it, is a confusing fucking language like how's that work yeah so, so like i just i don't know so anyone that cared to listen to this far get good translations mm. that's what spencer said that's what spencer does yep well i mean we've even had problems where you just get a different edition of a book that's even if it was just an english book like you read frankenstein right and it was like a different version than the one i read yeah like the ending was kind of different and there were some parts that were left out like what the fuck or just like the phrasing of things it like was changed. It, it was like it was like it was the same story but like how they got there or how they said things were different well how do you feel about classic works that are amended or abridged like i always said i'd probably like moby dick more if i got an abridged version and i got rid of the whaling bullshit mm-hmm. that wasn't important to the story yeah but that wouldn't be the same book. But like, say you get, I don't know, what's a classic book you like? Like H.G. Wells, The Invisible Man. Yeah. What if you got a later edition of Invisible Man where they changed a lot of stuff? But then or, that, or, or, or like tried to update it or something? Yeah, because they do that now too. They write versions where it's more modern language. Or they even use just straight up modern slang and lingo to appeal to younger audiences. And it's like, oh. Yeah, because that's weird because like if if it's a story... That takes place like in the like early nineteen, you know, turn of the century. Yeah, and they're using shit like, man, that's cap. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? I think that would physically make me <laughs> ill. I would get, I would, I would, I would mess myself, head and butt, with <laughs> leak stuff that shouldn't be leaked. So, I mean, granted, I don't think they would probably ever do anything quite like that, but I do think like, no, no, I've seen there's a. There is a series of books written like that where it's like oh, I, straight Zoomer talk. I meant to, I think I meant to send, because like I didn't send it to you, I think, because it was like later, but it was like somebody, like some family member got themselves. So it was like, it was either like a Zoomer or like Gen Z Bible. Oh. <laughs> and they were, and they, the person was reading from it. It was fucking hilarious. Mm. <laughs> 
let there be light and don't be sus. <laughs> it was. It was just like, it was talking about like how uh, the guy who's like married to, who was with Mary, you, you know, Joseph. Like, with like, you know, how his, he was having real sus behavior and just yeah. like shit like that. I was just like, God damn. Yeah. The fucking three wise men came up like savages. Something like that. Yeah. Frankincense and myrrh. And yeah, I don't like that shit at all. That makes me angry. But I think of like Tolkien. I know he changed his own stories, I think, a couple times. Or, like, I know there's authors who, which is another tricky one, because then you get into the George Lucas, you know, waters where it's like, oh, is it wrong if they change their own work? So, if we got Star Wars, but, you know, Lucas makes it so Han doesn't shoot first, or it's like, uh, I don't know. When I read a book, if Stephen King decided he wanted to change Carrie so it doesn't offend people, or he wants to take the N word out of The Shining. Mm. Like, what do you do with that? Do you, I mean, the original's still going to exist, but do you go, well, I mean, that's the author's wishes. Or like Neil Gaiman, didn't he get some shit for uh, uh, the Sandman show of like race swapping or something? Right, and yeah. they're just like, well, he's the author, so who gives a fuck? He, that's what he wanted. And he's also like, you know, this was made in like the early 90s. Yeah. Like there was not certain things, you know. And I mean, it's a little different when it's adaptation. Yeah. It's like, okay, you can change it. But if you change like an original novel and just like the author goes back and just changes the things like, Oh, I just had some bad ideas back then, or I didn't like my opinions back then. So I'm taking sections out. I'm changing themes. So here's a rewritten version of this beloved novel that you, you know, here's a new version of Carrie or yeah, Pet cemetery. Yeah. I don't know how I'd feel about that. Yeah. I mean, you'd read it. <laughs> I, I would, I would definitely read it just to see like, you know, if it was good or not, but and the other side of the I, coin, it could be better. I mean, I guess it depends on, if he if he's re, like if the author's redoing him because it's like hey this is one of my earlier works I wasn't where I'm at now I feel like I could tell this story better now well I mean just as a writer it, myself I've submitted I've edited and rewrote stories that I wrote when I just wasn't that good of a writer yeah. and they've you know I've gotten them accepted places. I mean, I didn't fundamentally change the stories, but I changed a good bit of how they were, they were written and read, and I thought they were better, but, you know, who's to say somebody read that original, they would have liked that more. Yeah, like if somebody who, like, if you had the story on the website when we had it, and they read it on the website, and like, oh, I saw this story, it's getting into this, you know, into this collection that I like, and they're like, oh, what the fuck is this? Like, what is this horse shit? This is what I remember. Uh, anyway, I just thought it was an interesting topic to... Kind of breeze through, you know. I don't want a too serious episode. I mean, and not to make the episode any longer, but I just translating in general just always just bothers my mind of just like of people who like trying to figure out, okay, what does this word mean for like you know for this thing, you know? Well, that see, that's the easy part. Well, I mean, especially now it's not too bad, but like like just like the like the beginning, like those first motherfuckers who were trying to figure out each other's languages, like. But if it's like a nonfiction book, it wouldn't be as problematic if you're just going for word for word as best you can. So I mean, there's a lot of languages where it's like, okay, you know, we don't have a word for that, but we can have something that's comparable, or maybe it has to be a phrase or something. But it's when you get into metaphors, like I said, more creative thought. How do you do that? Especially yeah. think about Miracomi. That actually has to be really hard because he has these weird dreamlike scenes that come up so often right. in his work. And it's like that could be fucking translated any which way. Like, how do you represent some weird Japanese Shintoism into <laughs> fucking modern English? 
Uh, I definitely take my hat off to translators, even if they do poorly, because it's so hard. Right. Uh, even in easy language translations such as Spanish to English or English to Spanish can't be easy. And imagine like how complicated English is. Imagine translating that to German Ugh. or something like it would be fucking like Dickens. <laughs> imagine translating Dickens to Japanese or Ugh. Chinese. It's like their language is alien, basically, compared to English or vice versa. So you have a tonal language like uh, Mandarin or Cantonese where just the inflection of your voice changes well, the word completely. Like, How do you do that, you know, from an English version? Or even like, you know, you were talking about, you know, with the Russian, because like, like a lot a lot of Russians, like a lot of threat, yeah. throat, gut, gladiator, like, you know, like almost sounds other than, you know, where, like, you know. So it's just know. there's never going to be a perfect translation to anything because no languages ever line up like that. As we covered when we did that English episode, <laughs> or whatever the oh, fuck yeah. it was, we did like just the actual English and like the stupid word usage. Uh, so anyway, folks, if you like this kind of episode and want more academic themed works from us, that's not the right, no. not works. What's the translation from stupid to smart? Uh, episodes? Episodes. Episodes? You're not even making sense now. If you want more episodes where we talk about stuff that's not dumb that's stuff, uh, you can DM us on, I don't know, we're on social media at DPW Podcast. You can look it up. You can also uh, you know, maybe give us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use if they got that function. Give us a like on the old uh, YouTube Maybe a subscribe. A subscribe. A share would probably be nice. That probably would do us better than anything is a share. Um, you can check out Spencer's OnlyFans. He is the uh, Nantucket Nut. Nutter. What, what were you? Um, Something with Bunton. Yeah. You were the, not Billings. Uh, what's up in Maine? The Bangor yeah. Ball Bunter. Yeah. Simple. So yes. are you actually bunting baseballs? Or, cause I didn't. It didn't say baseball, it just yeah. said ball. That'd be weird because the ball sack would have to hit the, <laughs> the man's testicles yeah. would have to fling itself into the bat. Oh, I'm sure it's on there somewhere. Uh, I'm sure if you look, you probably don't even have to look very hard. Uh, you can check out my work at calebjamesk.com. And as the release of this episode, what is today? Today is the first. The first. It is the new year of our, it's the year of the dragon. Oh, is it? It is the year of the dragon. Uh, I don't know if you knew that, even though you were watching the exact same program I was watching. <laughs> so calendar is what I'm looking up. No, we have one more episode. We'll be, well, no, this episode drops uh, on the 9th. Yes. So since it'll be dropped on the 9th, keep an eye out that Saturday, the 13th for, is it the 13th? Yes, yeah. Saturday the 13th for Gridiron Gates of Hell. Spencer has a fairly lengthy and girthy story in that. Uh, you can look at that up on Amazon. You can pre-order it now. The Kindle version is five ninety nine, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and there is supposed to be a physical version that'll be coming out after. Here, hopefully, shortly. Yeah, so keep an eye on that. Uh, and if you just want to read the story and don't want to spend, I don't know how much the... All proceeds go to charity, which yeah, is cool. which is a good, th which is a neat thing. Yeah, it goes to like CTE research and stuff. So if you... Buy both. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. But if you just want to read the story and you don't want to spend how much the physical book costs, you can right. still get the uh, 
pre-order price of five ninety nine and read Spencer's story and let him know what you well, think. He needs the encouragement. And, and I'm sure that there will be other great stories in there too. I haven't had a chance to, you know. Yeah, you didn't get a copy yet or anything. So, uh, but I'm sure there's from the people that I know that are involved. I'm sure there's some other great stories in there too. Do you ever fear? That you would get into, say, an anthology, and because oh, none of these we really—I mean, you might get a contributor copy like a couple weeks ahead of time. Yeah, you never get anything like real far advanced. You don't know what work you're competing against, mm -hmm. so you don't know if you're the worst story, the best story, or the worst, the, the middle. No, 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 no. The the, the biggest fear. Everything's just written by Nazis, and you're just, <laughs> and it just turns out it's like this fucking super pro Nazi publication. God damn it! I should have done more research when I submitted to this. So everyone just not again. <laughs> everyone just thinks you're a fucking piece of shit, and your career tanks before it even takes off. Uh, anyway, we will check you out next week. Thank you for listening. <laughs>